rabbit, rabbit. It's June 1st, first of the month. Wish you all the best of luck. Have you not heard of rabbit, rabbit? Your face Excuse is, me? What is suggesting different differently. You never heard that you say rabbit, rabbit in the first day of the first month, and it should bring you luck for the rest of the month. It's an old. I have never. It's an heard old that. tale. I've been around for it's a while. A I've never heard that. Really, rabbit, rabbit. Well, so every time we have new music, we're going to do Rabbit Rabbit, then. Well, it has to be the first words you say of the day, and unfortunately, we've been chatting for 35 ah. minutes, so. I did say it this morning, though. Oh, you were nice. I was a little late. Gave rabbit me the Rabbit. The 35 minutes there. Uh, You've never heard that, eh? No. It's a superstition. I would never remember to do that. For some reason, I remembered this morning, so. Maybe that's where. We'll, we'll kick it off. Rabbit Rabbit. It's going to be a good month. I Happy am where June. I am. Happy June. Happy new song. Save a horse, for those, ride a cowboy. Uh, yeah, for those listening to podcasts, save a horse, ride a cowboy. Uh, I think one of my like earliest partying in my teenage years songs. Like this brings was back this memories. Tune? Yeah, yes. this is a good one. It was a yeah. tough decision. I had a list of about six, and then narrowed it down to about three, and then I presented them to you this morning. And we were it was tight between this and a Dirks Bentley song, which I'm seeing tonight. So, yeah, you went against Dirks on Dirks night. It's all right. Busy week for you. Honestly, I'm going to be burnt out come this weekend. You look a little burnt out. We hit the links yesterday. A scorcher of a day. Felt like 35 all day long. Got my car and it was cooking you and the leather seats burn the back of your legs. That happened for about 45 minutes on the 400. Yeah, my pass card to enter the building like melted it on me. It did melt. It's It was deformed that forever. hot. But we had a, a grand old time up at Cardinal. Mm-hmm. East Wing, probably one of the hardest courses I mean, it's probably not. Buddy, <laughs> for like your second though. round of this summer or spring, when it... There are probably people scoffing at the suggestion that Cardinal is that difficult. The East Wing is hard. Someone's going to text in and understand that the first hole will haunt me for the rest of my life. First it of all... shouldn't, though. Buddy, you tee off, and then you need to go up what is basically the new market equivalent of Mount Everest. <laughs> <laughs> and the green is elevated on this hill. But yeah. before you get to Mount Everest, there's water right before Mount yeah. Everest. So like a kind of a standard golf hole. Yeah, it's hard. And that kind of set me down a spiral for the rest of the round. Mm. You had trouble uh, getting under the ball early and mm. the elevation did play a role in a bit of a tough start for you. So... Front nine, Justin just soaring into victory. I get the snake for the three putt quite early, and I controlled the snake kinda, for the yeah, three you putt. Yeah, kind of own that snake for the rest of the day. There was a couple, which is a good thing though, because there's something you can clean up right away. Yeah, there there was a couple chances where you three putted, but then I had also three putted, mm-hmm. so I did not get to hand the snake to you at the end of the round. I get to buy drinks because I had the snake, so no problem. That the final hole, eighteen, Justin goes first. He three putts. I'm like, what a way to hand the snake over to him on the very last hole. But then I chickened out. I was soft, and I had to three-putt, too. So anyway, front nine, Justin, mm-hmm. you you came out strong. You, yeah. You're a little dialed there. I was okay on the front. We're golfing with Justin's friend, Eric, who you didn't tell me he was a professional golfer. He's not a professional golfer. He He's very, very consistent. miles though. and miles ahead of us. He was. I don't think he missed a shot. Like, he didn't have any... Ah, damn, I mean, This isn't like a scratch golfer here. Oh, he's good. He's what, I, bury your he's friend. what I aspire to be. Yeah, that's, a, that's a kind thing to say. He's good. And I brought my friend Kate, who was also good. She was... Her driver was on point all day. Outdrove us all. 
Anyway, mm-hmm. front nine, Justin was, I think, eight or nine strokes ahead of me. Back nine, though, Justin, what happened to you? Uh, I learned something about you is what happened to me. Mm. I learned that you are highly competitive. <laughs> highly competitive. You did not know because that? Because things were not really going well for anyone. Like, Eric was pretty good, but it, it wasn't like a legendary round for him either. So not everyone's kind of just putting around. It's kind of like, all right, we're just working on things and our feelings a little bit. Here we do. Couple beers. We're looking for the beer cart girl. She's not coming as often as we'd like, but we're we're dealing with what's going on. But I'm hitting a wall. I'm, yeah, I'm, it was a bit uh, tough. To I'm watch. Uh, my driver has lost me at about ten, eleven. You can sense it, and when you sense that, I sensed that you sensed blood in the water oh my god you, you wanted nothing more but to claw back and i'm not really thinking about it because it was a tough nine for you mm-hmm. and i'm thinking well it doesn't really matter i can i can i'm not really thinking about that but it was the thing that was driving your back nine i turned surge. it around i saw a crack mm-hmm. in justin cuthbert it wasn't about like you it was about me it was about you i and saw I my like, opportunity what, what, what's going on here i i noticed that on like 15 maybe and i'm like <laughs> Did I miss something? How here? much better did my game get though on like twelve? Once you started to head once over the I cliff, once I started to melt down, you really I turned was it dialed. Up. Yeah, and I ended up beating you in the back nine. None of us bar- birdied. I mean, none oh. of us has in the two here on the radio. We didn't did get Eric have one. I don't even know. If you I think one. he did. Yeah. Um, we didn't get any birdies, so our birdie tally is at zero. Couple not pars, ma- not many opportunities either. A couple pars, a couple quadruple bogeys. Remember that? Yes, definitely. If remember that. I went back. And didn't three putt every third hole, I would have had a pretty decent round. The three putting is getting to me. Mm-hmm. Three putt queen. I might have to go to Harry Putter in Richmond Hill. Yeah. Or putt putt. There's one downtown, I think. Just get the putting going here. Or we could just show up 15 minutes earlier and actually putt on the course a little bit. Yep. But anyway, all, all told, it was day. fine. I, I got to sort of recalibrate because this is, uh, it's a little bit more adversarial than I expected oh it to God. be. Oh, my God. Grow so, up. So, uh, yeah, I just that's just what I have to be prepared for. I thought it was great. A great start. I didn't think I was too competitive. No, we should mention that you did hit from the ladies' tees, and there was quite the difference. They're actually the red tees. Sorry, the red tees. There were certainly some opportunities where we were well. Every par three was about 200 yards for me and about 100 for you. Didn't do much, though. No. I will say that all the red tees happen to be at the bottom of a gully that you then need to shoot up another miniature Mount Everest. Mount which Helen. Was, yeah, which would definitely played into your psychological issues. Tell me I'm wrong. Issues. Yeah, you were, ha- you were having trouble lift. You were driving the ball rather than lifting it. And yeah. every time you were lower, it got into your head. Couple, Once couple- we got off the front nine where it wasn't really an yeah. issue. You were much okay. better when you weren't dealing with that. Couple worm worm burners. Yeah, the worm burners worked for the you. The back though. nine is so narrow, so narrow. The and front that's nine is not works for me. Mountainous. So play at your own risk. We got a couple texts in saying uh, that's a hard course. The West is substantially easier than the East. Okay, we should play the West then. I've played the West many times. I was surprised we booked the East, but there was a there was a uh, tournament on the West, so mm. we had to deal with what we had. But okay. next week we'll go somewhere else. We'll take suggestions. Text line five ninety five ninety. Uh, so while we were golfing, big news in the land of the Leafs. Official news. Official news. We kind of, I guess we kind of broke down most of it yesterday, mm-hmm. gave most of our thoughts. But, you know, those thoughts develop and we now officially know 
that Brad Treliving is the next general manager of the Toronto Maple Leafs. He sure is, and there will be a press conference today, which we will have live here on Sportsnet 590 The Fan, where they'll introduce the 18th GM in franchise history. Brad Treliving um, believed that he was on his way yesterday. He's getting settled in here. And he'll be meeting with the media at 11 a.m. So our schedule has changed a little bit today. We'll give you that heads up now. Uh, we'll be carrying the press conference on Sports and 590 fans. So J.D. is usually at the 11 o'clock hour, of course. Or him and Blake, sorry, um, kind of share that because J.D.'s doing the podcast-only version. So at 11 a.m., J.D. and Blake will anchor the coverage. So we'll be 6 to 9. 9 to 10 will be J.D. Bunkus podcast. And then 10 to 11 will be Jay's Talk Plus with Blake Murphy. But then 11 to noon will be the the Brad Trey Living press conference. So the two of those guys will stick around. They'll host and anchor that. And then Jeff Merrick's show will go from 12 to 1, like usual. But since there's a 1 p.m. Blue Jays getaway game today, I also think it's like the school day game, which is really fun for the kids. Uh, That'll be a 1 here on the station. But if you're looking for real Kipper and Bourne, which is usually in the 2 to 3 slot, it will be live on Sportsnet now and YouTube. And then from 4 to 5, that will be on the radio and the Blair and Barker from 5 to 7. So... If you're looking for Brad Trey Living Press Conference, 11 a.m., Bunkus and Murphy will anchor that. And the schedule is a little bit different today, but we will take you there live. Justin and I just got a regular 6 to 9. We'll go watch it at home. Yeah, those emails don't apply to us. Yeah, it's immediate trash. Like red alert, schedule change. <laughs> and we then can, it goes, we can just mark that as red. <laughs> <laughs> mark Thanks. that one as red. But I read all your emails, Fabro. I know you're listening. Um, okay, so Brad Trey Living officially going to be introduced today. Uh, obviously, we know he spent nine years as GM of the Calgary Flames, resigned back in April. Um, to do something different, and this is what he'll be doing. And he didn't know this job was, well, maybe he had some sort of inkling that it could be possible, but when he left, he didn't know that this job was going to be open. So, uh, you know, we talk about oh, making a life change and guys that'll leave one opportunity, have no idea what's around the corner. Paul Maurice would be in that mm-hmm. category where he left the Winnipeg Jets, thought, hey, maybe I'll never coach again, and now he's in a Stanley Cup final. Like, things do happen a certain way, and things have bounced rather fortuitously like some of my errant tee shots uh, for Brad Trey Living here. So there were some prepared statements by the Leafs. Um, I'll just read the one from Brad Trey Living. We will hear from him today, and you'll probably hear some of the same stuff. But, quote, I'm very excited and honored to join the Maple Leafs as general managers. I'd like to thank Brendan Emelessi and its board for the support throughout the process. I'm thrilled to join an original six team and recognize how much the Maple Leafs mean to this community. This is a very exciting day for my family and I. Pretty stock answers there. Pretty He's stock. joining Original Six. You have to mention the Original Six. You certainly do. Um, okay, so let's... I know we talked a lot of Brad Trey Living yesterday, and if you were on our station, you got a lot of insight about him and throughout his time, uh, what he's accomplished, what uh, maybe the pros and cons are, but with him being confirmed, we can kind of go through our thoughts now officially on what Brad Trey Living will bring potentially. I find it hard personally, to like evaluate a GM, it's it's much easier for me to evaluate a coach, evaluate players. But a GM, okay. but a GM, I feel like I don't really see, they're behind the curtain a bit, right? You see their moves and you see the, their few opportunities to speak to the media. You look at their, you know, cap-friendly trade history, um, you know, what deals they've signed and who they've drafted. And yeah, I just, I, I feel like, I don't really have a hard stance on Brad Trey Living. Okay, in. can I try to influence your and I opinion? Think that, yeah, and I think 
that's where you're definitely more. Well, I'm just going to run down realities rather than like opinion. First. Yeah, yeah, okay. And then we can kind of uh, we can base it off that two series victories in nine years with the Calgary Flames. Yes, missed the playoffs four times in those nine years. There was like boomer bust seasons. Like they they had a season where they had 111 points. They also missed the playoffs and and, and drafted early uh, at the NHL draft. But on balance, Calgary would probably be like. 15th best mm-hmm. in the NHL in terms of points percentage over the course of his tenure. Middle of the pack. He may he committed the cardinal sin, which is to continue to pay middle-class workers. Middle-class workers being like Blake Coleman, mm. Milan Lucic. Hey, it's friend of the show. It's true. And I guess he didn't necessarily pay Milan Lucic, but he acquired his contract for the other guy he paid in the middle class, which was James Neal, who we are okay with criticizing. And signing players to long-term contracts deep into their Mm -hmm. 30s. He set the parameters, I suppose, for Matthew Kachuk and Johnny Gaudreau to walk or to work their way out of Calgary. And he leaves the Calgary Flames team with major, major questions now. Maybe not more so than he started, but they have a lot of questions facing that franchise right now. And he just got up and left that organization for whatever his reasons were. Uh, I guess those were like more negative than they were positive because there's a lot of positives as well. He's mm-hmm. made some really good trades. That team has drafted very, very well. Uh, they've had really good regular seasons where they've had reasonable amount of success in the playoffs. But that's kind of the record. Nine years, no, like, real success, never in a conference final, never really pushing or considered a Stanley Cup contender. I think you have to graduate beyond the stage that the Leafs have gotten to to actually put yourself there because they haven't had the same success in the regular season as the Maple Leafs had. But he's done just like a pretty good job and had a pretty good team, but there was nothing really special about it. Feels like he was just the best available. Okay. In an opportunity where the timeline's tight, there's not a lot of premium available GMs. Would, Would you not agree? Yeah, 100%. I mean, (laughs) looking at the names that were rumored to be, and we don't really have a list of those who are actually involved in the running here, but we're talking guys like Mark Bergevin, who, okay, I mean, he went to a Stanley Cup final, but largely aside from that, he's really, really struggled. Peter Shirelli is maybe the biggest reason why Mm -hmm. Connor McDavid doesn't have a Stanley Cup right now, given that he fumbled the bag when he was handed it with the Edmonton Oilers. I mean, we're not talking about inspiring choices, but in Brad Treliving, they have someone who... Again, has done a decent job. Uh, maybe was somewhat hamstrung in his ability to do exactly what he wanted to. Uh, maybe he'll have more opportunity to do that with the Toronto Maple Leafs. And a guy that everybody likes. That's important. Mr. Congeniality. I did hear a lot of that over the last couple of days that he's great with the media. He likes to be an active GM. I wonder how different that is from previous GM reigns that the Maple Leafs have had. But he sounds like a guy that's going to pick up the phone and chat with other GMs and say, what do you got? What are you hearing? You know, what can we do here? I don't know if how Dubis compares to that. It doesn't seem like he would be as active or, you know, forward-facing in terms of him being the one hunting out things. But that is what we're hearing about Brad J. Living, that he is a guy that likes to likes to chat, likes to be involved. Yeah. I guess that's a good thing because he's going to have some some opportunities to make some things happen. I think the biggest question mark I have, and we can talk about what we want to hear from today's press conference because that's important, is he's got a tiny Mount Everest ahead of him, just like the first hole. Yeah, he's got the first hole at Cardinal. And it's certainly attainable to get up there if you're your friend Eric with Better shots than me. Um, really impressed, eh? He was good, Justin. <laughs> God, you're burying your friend. Um, but he's got 
he's got a lot of things to do in a short period of time. And I wonder because traditionally a GM comes in and has a bit more of a longer leash possibly. Like I don't know how many times that a GM has been plopped in an organization with a franchise player that has a July 1st date here mm. with something important. How many times has that happened? And what's the track record of that where you're up against now we're exactly one month away. June 1st, June July 1st, you have a lot of things to consider in the next period of time. You have a bunch of UFAs. You have some RFAs, including a goaltender that you probably need to figure out or else you're going to end up with who? Matt Murray and Joseph Wall. You have a coach that I'm sure in the next couple of days that's, that decision needs to be made. It isn't a traditional time, I think, to hire a brand new face for a franchise, especially like the Toronto Maple Leafs with a lot of pressure, a lot of attention, a lot of expectations for a guy to come in, but they wouldn't have picked someone that is going to shy away from that moment. And that's what I hear about Brad Trey Living is that he's he's made some bold moves. We just laid out some of the things that he's done, whether he's swung for the fences and hit a home run or not. He's not shy to be in this market, and that's important. Let's just like compartmentalize this um, in the immediate term here. Can, in your opinion, can Bradshaw Living have a successful summer if Austin Matthews isn't re-signed? Yes. Yeah? I, I think so because, first of all, every report and conversation that we've had, whether it was in, with insiders in the Toronto market or not, most people are under the impression that he's not going to sign anyway by July 1st. So I have that kind of already in the back of my brain. What I have heard in the last 24 to 48 hours is that he reached out to Austin Matthews' camp already to open the lines of communication. Mm-hmm. And Trey Living and Matthews' agent, uh, is it Judd Molda- Moldaver? Moldaver, yeah. Have a good working relationship. So that's that's basically the two things that I wanted to hear about Austin Matthews and Brad Trey Living before he's even announced to the team. If you already have a good enough relationship with the agent that people are confident in saying that, and you've already spoken to the superstar guy before it's even the day your initial press conferences that to me shows that he understands this is the a one priority for the Toronto Maple Leafs in the next month so he's not coming behind being like okay slide over that piece of paper what do we got here like he knows how important this is but action in the next two days it feels like is imperative right you can't wait until Monday to start being okay what do I need to do let's take like a weekend to you know check out the Ritz and go to the CN Tower like you got to get going here so the fact that he's already done some of those things gives me a little bit more confidence I think he can have a successful offseason if Austin Matthews doesn't sign but of course it's looming in the distance right yeah I think uh, maybe this is just me I hope it's just me but my sort of my I feel like the objective has changed a little bit. Like it's not as much to me about putting together a better roster than Kyle Dubas for next season. It's kind of all about prioritizing the next era for Austin Matthews, whether or not he's going to be here or not. Because I don't, I can't imagine that if questions remain post training camp into the season that it doesn't just derail the entire operation. We'll be talking about it all year long. We're going to be talking about it all year long. He's going to be asked about it. It's going to be a distraction. He's not going to be getting the grace that he got last year where he was like, hey, don't ask me about this. And no one asked him about this. We'll talk to you next year. I I just don't expect that to happen because they have to, they can't, Trilliving can't get into the spot he was in two years ago where he just, or it will be two years ago, when Johnny Gaudreau just walked himself to the finish line. I feel like it's going to be something, if not addressed early, that's going to 
kind of supersede everything else that's going on. And if they have to take a step back this season, not that they're like mutually exclusive or whatever, but that would be more palatable than not getting the job done here with Austin Matthews. I think the entire success and failure, at least short term, and I guess long term too, because let's be honest, what's this organization going to look like without Austin Matthews? Yeah. Hinges on his ability to get Austin Matthews done. So as so you if mentioned, he doesn't sign, is a rel- it a failure then? If he does, if Austin Matthews doesn't sign a contract by this July first, not even by July first, it has to be right after July first. But like this summer, if he doesn't sign that extension mm-hmm. this summer, uh, I worry it's not a failure yet. Yeah, but it sets up for failure. Oh, I it mean, sets of up course. for a disaster scenario where <laughs> we won't be talking about Trill Living as the guy who ah you weren't able to win after Dubis. No, you were the guy that lost Austin Matthews. And if you're the guy that <laughs> keeps Austin Matthews around, it seems more important and more crucial then, hey, you were able to put a pretty good roster on paper. And, hey, you did a little bit of a better job than Dubas. Hey, this this season, uh, this team was more playoff ready. That's because you put it together, Brad, for living. Like, I, I feel like the objective has sort of changed here. And it wouldn't have changed this way if Dubas was still around because we ch- kind of trusted in that. Like, if, if Matthews didn't want to be here, he didn't want to be here. But if he did, Dubas would have got it done. Mm-hmm. We expect. That so, they had the relationship that gave you a level of comfort. So maybe they have a level of comfort in Trilliving getting it done. Maybe they have a level of comfort in just Austin Matthews. Hey, you're, you'd be bluffing if you if you uh, made any step toward leaving. It would be merely a bluff because you want to be here. Maybe they believe that. And maybe it's not that critical or as critical as I'm making it seem. But I feel like we will be, at least in the short term, basing the success of failure of Brad Living not on team success, but on whether or not Austin Matthews has another contract here. And if he doesn't get another contract this summer, the, the conversation, once again, that we're hearing through insiders and through those here and afar, speaking of, we'll have Frank Cervelli on at seven, is that Austin Matthews wants to play in Toronto. Take that as you'd like, because I don't think he's going to say, I don't want to play in Toronto. Mm-hmm. But the conversations are overwhelmingly more positive about there being a future with Austin Matthews in the, in the team. And it might not be on the timeline that we've been presented with. As I said, Brad Trey living is being put in a pretty tight spot here. Um, Whether he gets it done or not remains to be seen. I hope today he addresses this. So let's talk about one, one more thing. Just I want to talk about like, cause we did the Matthews thing. Now I want to talk about, um, like the why from a hockey standpoint. Like I'm for trying him, to, you mean? Yeah, why yeah, they for hired Brad? him. Okay, yeah, why yeah, they hired ahead. Brad Living? Like why Why was this the guy? I guess, you know, what we got to earlier was like, okay, there was no one else really. Mm. But to me, everything else was so planned out and so thoughtfully prepared every step of the way, at least since Brandon Shanahan showed up in 2014. I went back and watched his press conference when he was introduced yesterday, seeing if there's any, like, different messaging. How do you find it's kinda, that? It's kind of the same. Deep in YouTube, the archives. YouTube's then. a wonderful thing. YouTube's a wonderful thing. It was split How did everybody look? It was split up into spry? different... Yeah, uh, it's pretty shocking that Shanahan was 45 when he was hired. Wow. Like, he doesn't seem like a... He, he's obviously 10 years older, 9 years older, but crazy that he was 45 mm-hmm. at the time. Uh, lots has Time's changed. crazy. Lots has changed in the decade since he was hired, <laughs> or close to. Anyway, um... Everything else was, he didn't have a plan then necessarily. Like he still had Dave Nonis by his side. Mm-hmm. And they really, really had no idea what they were doing yet. But he started to put the pieces in place. And he used Nonis. It was a single, it was like a red solo cup, single use. He had something for him, which was to tear down. 
And then the next up, he had Lou to build it up. Mm-hmm. And then he had Dubas to finish the job. And it seemed like everything was sequential in the steps. And I, and I kind of related to like building a new property. Dave Nonis was there. He was the, he tore down, right? He mm-hmm. was the guy who demolished. He got the, the bulldozers going, everything fired up. Mm-hmm. He was create, he was getting rid of what was there previously. Lou Lamorello, he comes in, builds the foundation, puts up insulation, windows, doors, all that stuff. Kyle Dubas comes in, interior designer, puts the farmhouse sink in the kitchen. He's got nice. the barn door. Like, he's got all Claw this nice stuff. Tub for sure. Everything is looking good because Dubas finished this house. Mm-hmm. And now, what's Tre Living's job in this? Uh, is he trimming the hedges? Hmm. So that's where I'm at here. This is Dubas's team still. This is Shanahan and Dubas's team. And the reason why they went for Tre Living is that he has caretaking ability he can look after the house that shanahan and dubas built and if you're just merely a caretaker okay like that's utility you have a job but you are now we are we're still going to look at this as dubas's team in many many ways and for tre living to put his imprint on it he could start the process of tearing it down again because this house was pretty good this house looked nice. You wanted to be in this house. Mm-hmm. How much is rent? Can I lease this baby? <laughs> Tre Living's kind of the caretaker. And I think it was safety over strategy because they didn't really have any strategy. They had used the strategy. They already went tear down. They went foundation where it's just like, hey, we're going to set a culture here. We're going to establish permanent roots. And then the guy we really loved all along, he's going to finish the job. And once you went through and cycled through that, what was next? It was caretaker. It was Brad Tre Living. I don't know if I want to live in that neighborhood. No, a little creepy. Seems like there's a lot of change. I think you could go for a farmhouse sink. I could go for a clawfoot tub for sure. <laughs> That's hot right now. Is it? You look at the architectural design. It's all over TikTok. Yep, you got the monogram robes. Dubis is definitely a monogram robe guy. I, I like that analogy. Uh, the architect. That's Brandon Shanahan in, in this picture. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. He uh, he told again. Nonus, just you know, do a job for me. Two or three years. Just get a, get rid of everything. Clear the land. And then we'll start building up. But again, the structure's already built. And that's why we've hit this, this, this wall with this team. Because it was supposed to be something bigger than what it was. And now, next steps? Well, it's just like, hold on for dear life. Rather than, hey, who's the next innovator? Who's going to build on to this? I don't know if True Living's that guy. But maybe all they need is a caretaker. So, maybe the housekeeper is Sheldon Keefe. And mm. it sounds like his job is safe. For now. So Elliot Freeman was speaking on every possible platform yesterday. <laughs> Guy's just busy, busy, busy guy right now um, and made some indications. And we'll play that clip. Um, Elliot was actually on the JD Bunkus podcast. I was driving up to the course. Listen, never stop working and listening to <laughs> Elliot uh, chatting with JD about the potential um, of Keefe moving forward, because that's definitely in the top three things of what Brad Trey Living is probably going to address in the next couple of days. So let's play uh, Elliot on JD's podcast yesterday. From what I understand, True Living is open-minded uh, on that issue uh, and that he is prepared to talk to Keith and, and meet with Keith and, and see if there's, and see if it makes sense. Like I, I don't think that True Living coming here means it's guaranteed that Keith is out. And as a matter of fact, I think there's a decent chance that uh, he ends up staying. Okay. I think the bigger, I think the bigger question, JD, becomes: Do you let him go into this year and the last year of his contract? 
Like I, I like that. That's that's usually the thing that becomes uh, crazy town. So for me, if you had told me a month ago, when did Lisa last play? A month ago? Ooh, Whatever. just under a month, I'd say. That Dubis would be out and Keith would be in. I wouldn't have. I wouldn't have expected that. No, definitely would not have expected that. Um, but there was always the, the feeling right after is like, okay, there's got to be change. There's got to be something's got to change. Mm-hmm. And again, they didn't make the change. They didn't make any change. Like they didn't actively pursue change. At least it seems. It kind of fell yet. upon them. They, you know, Dubis kind of wasn't the problem. They said so because they wanted to sign him until he made himself the problem. So you have to ask like, okay, the coach plans to be back or we plan to have the coach back even if he's lame duck. Maybe all the players have been given assurances we don't really know. Maybe we'll find it from True Living. You wanted Dubas back. Are you not saying then tacitly or otherwise that nothing, there was no problem here really? Mm. And maybe they've arrived at that conclusion. Maybe run it back is just really what they wanted to do. Dubas, Keefe, the players, just keep working because you built this beautiful house. And I, and I, and like I get there's some merit to that. But the feeling among everyone, insiders, people that were immediately, like, closely connected to this team, everyone seemed like, hey, we've got to make a change. And I just wonder, like, they, ha- they still have not actively made that change for themselves. Like, they, they have not made a difficult decision mm-hmm. even still. Dubas made the decision for them, or at least pushed them to make that decision. They haven't been like, hey, this is wrong. We were wrong about this. This is an issue. This is what's going to be fixed. They still have not done that, despite all this failure over the last nine years. And the coach is the easy, justifiable decision. You couldn't get it done. You've been outplayed in every playoff round. You need a new voice in this locker room. Your core four might need a shakeup in terms of who's leading them. It would have been a very justifiable and maybe the right move to make. At this point now, you're flirting with too much change or sticking with something that might be untenable. Mm-hmm. Sheldon Keefe is a lame duck coach. Does he go into the season without a future contract? Signing that, him into a contract extension so right there's now two would be options. There's two options. Asinine. You let Sheldon Keefe wh- coach this season with no future contract or you sign him to an extension, which to me is... That would be That'd be crazy town. <laughs> that would that would really be crazy town. So what are you gonna do? Let him coach the season with them? Well, I, I don't really see why that's an issue. Like maybe he's maybe he has such a great season and they win the Stanley Cup and he does At that what, point, I don't care. He, he Sign goes, or whatever. Yeah, he goes to Shanahan like Dubas did and be like, Hey, I wanna run this team now. Like what what like what do you, I don't understand what could be the the real danger there. I feel like that's a great thing to bring up with our buddy Frank Cervelli is joining. We also have Luke Fox today. Mm-hmm. Um because I don't think it's... In fact, it should... Uh, not that he hasn't given you an honest effort. In fact, mm-hmm. I think he maybe tries too hard. I think that's maybe a criticism with Sheldon Keefe. If there's a little more balance in life, if he you know, had a little bit fir- less of a firm grip on the reins, that maybe things would help out a little bit. But if you have your future hanging in the balance, mm-hmm. your performance dictates where you're going to be next year, how much money you're going to make saw next that with year. Kyle Dubis, did we not? Wouldn't you expect them to perform at you a would. high level? And Dubis is different. Dubis is 100% different. Mm-hmm. But Sheldon Keefe's performance is directly tied, even more so than Dubis's, with winning. If yep. he wins, everything will be cool. And if he leaves after, then you'll find a new coach. And if you won anyway, you're not going to care. Like, it won't really matter because you won on the back of Austin Matthews and Mitch Marner 
and Sheldon Keefe was a part of it. Like you can mm-hmm. you can form that narrative yourself. But if Sheldon Keefe walks at the end of the year, the reasons are what he there was too much meddling, there was too much noise, the pressure was too big, yeah. or he was just too successful and someone else wanted to pay him more money. I'll and take if you're that just problem. too successful, you'd be like, all right, Sheldon, thank you for the year. That was great. Go make money somewhere else. We yeah. got a cup. I agree. I think it's just maybe a situation that we haven't seen. I have to go through and see when each coach at the Toronto Maple Leafs had their contracts expiring. It just seems like an interesting practice that I wouldn't feel like the Maple Leafs or MLS are comfortable with. So something we can bring up with, with Frank or with Luke in terms of where they think that the direction with Keefe goes, if it's if it's as positive as others are saying that he might just continue his his reign here, does that mean he's going to do it without a contract extension? I will say, if if Keefe remains, mm-hmm. if the core four remains, if Brad Treliving doesn't do anything beyond like anything that would really get us shocked, fired up, whatever over the off season, has Brendan Shanahan not just over the last week or so, taken responsibility for everything. Like, it, if it was the power struggle, Shanahan was like, no, uh, no one's usurping me. And in fact, I'm going to take... Upsurping. I'm going to take Upsurping. even more responsibility. <laughs> like, this is more my team than it ever has been. Mm-hmm. Because Dubas wanted the throne a little bit, right? Dubas wanted more power. Shanahan said no. Does that just mean this is more of Shanahan than it's ever has been before? Like, Shanahan's making the decisions now. I mean, Shanahan's deciding whether core four stays or goes. Shanahan likes Keefe and doesn't matter that it doesn't care that he has a relationship with Dubas. Like, this feels like. This is Shanahan's team. Shanahan will be making even more decisions than he was. And he's not just a conduit to MLSE. He is running everything. It feels like about time, though. Like, you've tried all the succession plots that you just laid out. The builder, the architect, the interior designer. It's more HGTV, but yeah. At at this point, you you probably need to be more accountable for where this team's at. Your Shanahan plan hasn't worked. Mm-hmm. And you've now exposed a lot about the inner workings of this organization. And Brad Trey Living comes in with a little bit more experience. So it'll be interesting to see how those two work hand in hand. And he comes in with experience working in collaboration, mm-hmm. following a strict mandate where it's like, hey, we don't take step backs here. We yep. are trying to be good every year. It feels like a Shanahan guy in that way. So I assume today, we'll talk about the press conference, which will be at 11, by the way. We'll have it on Sports and 590, the fan. JD and Blake will take you through it. We'll hear from Brad Trey Living. I wonder if we'll also hear a little bit from Brendan Shanahan. I'm not sure how that works, if they share the podium. I'd imagine or... he'd be there. Okay, so great, speak. Uh, but let's talk about what we want to hear from Brad Trey Living. Um, what we will hear, and I can guarantee you that, is what we saw with that written statement. Riddles, original six. You know, I'm honored honor. to be here, and that's fine, because I'm sure you are. Pride, courage. And I, <laughs> tradition. And I'm sure that this means a lot to somebody to get this opportunity. We talked about it being the mecca of the sporting world. GM of the Toronto Maple Leafs, there's not too many jobs in the sporting world that people would want higher than that. So, yeah, get that out of the way. But what are some actual tangible things that Brad Trey Living can say on the podium today that will give you a level of confidence um, and a level of action um, that you think is going to happen before the draft, which is this month, before free agency opens, before you have some major, major looming decisions to make with your team? What do you want to hear from Brad Trey Living today? There's a couple of things. Obviously, we want clarity on Keith, clarity on Core 4, anything that he can tell us that's actually firm in terms of direction. We'd love you to hear. You think he would come on there and talk about Keith right away? I think he has to say if Keith's staying or going. Today? Yeah. yeah. 
I mean, it's one year left. Mm -hmm. Uh, You have to find a coach sooner than later. All the good ones are, if there's any left, are being gobbled up right now by teams that are looking for coaches. So I feel like it's probably the first step. But, and this is one I don't think we're going to learn, but I'm still fascinated about, you know, how the inner workings of these front offices work. And I kind of want to know above everything else, despite probably not... um, uh, on the verge of finding out in what ways his job is different despite having the same title than it was in Calgary. Because I don't think he's going to let us like open the curtain and let us know everything that went on in Calgary. But I think it should explain some things, right? Like you lost Johnny Gaudreau. You made a trade for, uh, involving Matthew Kachak and it was forced your hand. But you've done all these things mm-hmm. and we went over the realities, many of which are questionable. So why did those things happen and why are they going to be different here? Are you going to have more autonomy? Did you have less autonomy you than you needed? Knows that why you left Calgary? Like I think these are b- important questions. You got to tell us what went down there because I it could affect it could affect what goes down here. So not just like how hey how'd your job work, but why didn't it work? Why did you leave? How tied were your hands if they were, if any? Can you explain these moves because the Leafs are facing the exact same situation just on a grander scale? And now he's in charge after, in many ways, failing at the same task. So I need to know how these things are different. I'm sure Shanahan does, because otherwise I'm not sure he's making that hiring. Mm -hmm. It's something we're probably not going to find out. But if we knew or had any insight into how things went to apply to how things could go, I think that would be useful. I feel like it's a bit uh, of a pipe dream, maybe, to think that he's going to really Mm, pull back. Yeah, pull back the curtain, tell you exactly what happened and why Calgary this didn't work that didn't work because it's a new chapter like I don't know how much he wants to look back at his time in Calgary he left for a reason and maybe he brings that up uh, you know it was time for a change I bet he'll say this it was time for a change uh, I spent nine great years in Calgary um, I, I learned a lot blah 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 blah. but there I'm excited for, write it for him <laughs> ghost writer but I'm happy to have a new challenge and this one is great and this one is an honorable desirable one I would be super super surprised if he's like yeah you know what I had no autonomy. The board in Calgary, the the president with his puppeteer hands, like Shiv and Matson. Yeah, watched Succession. Um, <laughs> now, like, so I don't think that we're going to get that truth serum, though. That would be great. I want to know what happened, obviously in Calgary, so then we can keep an eye on that not he happening could, here. He could say something like, "It came to an end because I fail. I I believe that I couldn't. I wasn't allowed to do my job to the best of its ability." Something like that sounds could familiar. Give you, could give you a little <laughs> insight into how things went down, and maybe that's just lip service. Mm-hmm. But maybe more importantly, how is it going to work with Shanahan? Are you guys going to admit to, hey, this is a full-on collaboration? Both of us are equal parties, going to be making decisions here, and us two are going to guide us through. Because I think that is important with power on everyone's mind and a struggle that that you know let down the team previously. If you guys just told us how it's going to work that you guys are together on this, that you guys are unified, that you guys are going to be working as one, I think a lot of people will feel better about it. So how things are different, maybe not, but how things are going to work, I think would be very, very appropriate. I wonder how different today will go in terms of like what the reporters are comfortable asking because of how honest Brandon Shanahan was last time he was on the podium. I think it opened an entirely different line of communication, a line of questioning even, as we said, as I said, we'll have Luke Fox on later in the show because he'll be there. Um, but I think 
there's a, a level of insight that we all did not have about Brendan Shanahan and the way that MLSE worked. There's been a lot of information about people being unhappy, and I think that that is justifiably something that we can ask now. So I, I think that there could be some really good things that come out of this if both sides are ready to be honest and forthright. We'll talk more. we got all day to talk um, more Brad Trey living. Um, we have Frank Valley at 7, Luke Fox at 8, and then some guy named Chris Cuthbert, not familiar with him, mm. at 8.30. Um, apparently he's a play-by-play announcer for Sportsnet. I don't know. We'll have him on. Barely heard his voice. It's been like a load-managed yeah. uh, playoff, Who's right? Who's that guy? We'll have him at what, 8.30. four games in the Eastern Conference Final? Five in the second round? Pretty like lazy, really. <laughs> nine games over the last month? Like, what's going on? We'll have Ben Shulman also at 7.30 uh, to talk a little Blue Jays. Let's shift to that, get some Blue Jays in here before we take a break, do the A-list, and talk to Frank. Um, I was at the game last night. It was uh, maybe one of the most boring baseball games I've ever been to. No yeah, offense, was, but, uh, man, it was... It and was I was tough. also a little bit gassed from a full day of golfing, and I got no nap. I did crush an energy drink, though. Ugh. I can my teeth feel like <laughs> I can feel a layer of okay. aspartame or whatever they put mm. in that Going sugar. sugar. Free, yeah. yeah. Nonetheless, it was a Manoa game, and I was very intrigued to see how this would go. Unfortunately, Manoa has almost moved to tears post game. I was watching the press conference and it is it is tough to see this guy going going through it again um we talked about this being a maybe a get right game but uh nonetheless he did not get right for four innings pitch and early hook yeah it was definitely one that you had to pay attention to because i was kind of thinking okay was that like a minor step forward was he was that a lateral step it wasn't necessarily a step back was it but i guess Mm. every step taken that's not forward is back Mm -hmm. for alec manoa at this point and the fact that he you know, was surviving and was okay and only, what, 85, 89 pitches and wasn't given the opportunity to go back out there in the fifth inning. Maybe the most painful thing and maybe why you saw that emotion is that he's now fully lost the trust Yeah, of John Schneider. It is, it, and that's exactly it. And like how do you it, gain that back? Game, I don't know if the game is too important or you've just reached this point in the season or whatever, but it's not just like, hey, let's run you out there mm-hmm. like they have every fifth day over and over and over again to start the season through the first two months of the season. Maybe June signifies something. I'm not really sure, but it seems like based on the reaction, based on the hook, based on the conversation, based on the near tears, that the trust that was like barely hanging on threads keeping this together, maybe it's snapped. And I don't know where we go from here. But the reaction from everyone else was stronger than I felt in the moment because that was an okay start. Like, if you if you do an opener, if the, if the Blue Jays just go opener mm-hmm. or it's Zach Thompson or it's whomever, are you really going to expect better than what Alec Manoa gave you yesterday? I'm not no, really sure. He's not so it's not, really, it's not really about the results, right? It's about Manoa yeah. and Manoa being far lesser than. And uh, it seems like based on what we saw, that maybe there was a bit of a breaking point. A hundred percent. We have some post-game audio, which I'll play of Manoa, but four innings pitch again. It's been uh, since April 22nd since he hit over five innings. His May record in six starts, 0-5, a 6-15 ERA, 194 whip, 21 walks, and 20 strikeouts. It like It's gotten to the point where there needs to be some sort of action and they have a little bit of time to decide that, as in like two days. <laughs> but I want to play Manoa post game um, two clips. 
The one thing that for me, when you talk about breaking point is the mindset. And he mentioned this about the mindset that he goes before he, he makes a pitch. And when you listen to this, it sounds to me like this mental weight is really weighing on him. And he, he brings this up about how he's, it's not the mechanics anymore. It's what's going on between the ears. So here's Manoa on needing to change his mindset. The mindset of don't throw a ball here instead of throw a strike right here is a, it's a, it's a difference maker. And uh, right now I'm stuck in don't throw a ball here. That's hard. Like in any sport, don't miss a net. Don't, what other sports are there? Don't fumble this throw. <laughs> like anything, don't do the bad thing. Yeah. I've played it. Don't it, throw the interception. Yeah. yeah. Don't do this. Don't do this. What are you going to do? do? You're going to do that. You're going to choke up. You're going to think about it. And if that's what's going on in your brain, like that's really, really tough to write the ship. Like it's not just mechanically he's off. It is, as he's mentioning, something he's working through. In his mind. And then one last one. Uh, and you can hear it in his voice. Yeah. It's hard to hear. And, and you can see it on Sportsnet. I was just watching actually up on the screen behind you. He's He looks like he's moved to a level of emotion I haven't seen. Uh, Manoa here on the just the mental toll of all this. Yeah, it's been, it's been tough, obviously. Uh, <clears throat> not doing what I'm meant to be doing. So just got to keep fighting and, you know, keep uh, finding positives. Um, and building off them. We'll talk more with Ben Shulman at 7.30 about Manoa also. Um, the booing of Anthony Bass. Mm-hmm. We'll bring that up because that was a sold-out crowd last night because of the Bobachette jersey headband giveaway, which people lined up around Man, noon. gets people fired up. People eh? around noon were lined up. You get one? <laughs> rolled in post-energy drink. You have got to one be anyway. lined up at noon to get one, buddy. I was on the sixth green at noon, <laughs> so I was not in line at the Rogers Center. Nonetheless, everybody looked dynamite in them, but yeah, 42,000 uh, spectators, but yeah, a lot of booze for Anthony Bass last night as the CN Tower lit up rainbow behind him. It was a scene. I don't know how things are scripted like that in real life, but it happened. I witnessed it. And I got to meet Jules and, and Ron and the fam again last night. So uh, our first family, our royal family of the Fan Morning Show there was there yeah. last night. So we'll, we'll do some... Ron and Jules. Yeah, we'll do more Blue Jays talk later in the show. Uh, let's take a break and do the A-list, and then we'll chat more with Frank Saravelli. Sportsnet 590, The Fan. Now it's time for hey, the A list. Bing bong, bing bong, bing bong. What's up, baby? All right, the A list. None of us were A list golfers yesterday, but we had a good time. We got a little sun, lots of reapplying of the sunscreen, and some hydration. I feel like there was a chance we were both going to be just completely torched, but it feels like we did all right. Like it looked bad in the moment. It looked like we were. It was the screen on the skin. Yeah, did a good job. Um, But it was hot. It was hot. It was hot. And uh, the story came across my feed, which is maybe a little groundbreaking. LSU football team trying out something that I've never seen before: Um, air-conditioned helmets. So trying it out for the first time this week, um, obviously a little hot in Louisiana, um, especially Saturdays early in the season. I think they're opening their season up against Mississippi State noon on a Saturday. Nonetheless, uh, interesting idea to have AC helmets. I don't know how that changes the construction of said helmet, but 
I think I would be very interested in gear moving forward, having like temperature controlled settings. Uh, yeah, I could have dealt with an AC helmet yesterday. <laughs> But I, I think, yeah, like training camp where these mm. guys are getting back into shape outdoors. Oh, that's gross. Middle of August, down south. This could be really handy. However, on the other hand, I'm like, well, these these college programs have way too much money. Like, it's kind of oh, crazy. I, I need to, I'm going to find more information about how they A, build this, but B, how much these cost. It was before NIL, the greatest business model of all time. NIL, honestly, and I maybe I'm a little bitter because I went to school in the States and I probably could have found a way to get I NIL. I think about that. Yeah, buddy. Was People... there like a local pizza shop that would have... Oh, yeah, EBAs. Everything but anchovies. You think... <laughs> That's what it was called. It was the best pizza I've okay. ever had. The buffalo chicken pizza literally haunts me in my dreams because I miss it so much. Oh. Like I dream about it. Buffalo chicken pizza. Oh, don't even... Unreal. EBAs. Okay. I would have I would have killed for an EBA sponsorship. Do you think you would have had one? Then we got Boloco. What's that? It's kind of like... A knockoff Freshie slash Chipotle. Okay. Nonetheless, there was Hanover. Yeah, but they kind of combine it. Hanover, New Hampshire had a couple little establishments. Lou's is the oldest diner in like New Hampshire. I would have any of these. I mean, those not, I'm not going to make a million dollars. But there's there's athletes now making millions of yeah. dollars on NIL sponsorship oh, yeah. deals. And I couldn't even get a free Boloco burrito. <laughs> <laughs> But anyway, yes, schools like, have too you, much money. Would you have been expelled if, like, they're just like, hey, we like the hockey team. We're going to give a free pita to whoever's yes. coming in. There was so many serious rules where we had these, we had, they're called super fans. And as I mentioned, Hanover is like a 5,000 person town. And there's mm-hmm. these lovely, 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 lovely old people that come to every game. Like, we had a good fan base of loyal supporters. But at one point for Christmas, they had gotten us like a little envelope of gift cards, like a support, you know, your students, your college students, like here's Starbucks, here's CVS. And we all were like, yeah, digging our hands in there. But we weren't allowed to accept them because it's it's illegal to <laughs> accept <laughs> gifts from yeah. like, come on, $25 to CVS would have helped with some, you know, things I need as a college student. But no, I had, we had to return all the gift cards. So you had to be really wow. careful if someone's gifting you something. Now, And yet the endowment is what it is. At least two bill. Yeah. And now people are getting Mercedes Benz just because they play basketball. Yeah, Angel Reese was doing Sports Illustrated. She's a billionaire now. paid for it. It's crazy. Anyway, so yes, I don't know how we got on that out like because now, they have too much money to pay, pay for air conditioning helmets. stay at college. Oh, you yeah. stay. You stay for Speaking the AC of, helmets. You stay for the sponsorships. You stay for the free car, free tattoos, free everything. Zach Eady staying at college. Why wouldn't he? <laughs> make more money there than the NBA, NBA? National player of the year. Let's go back and make some more money. No problem. Smart what you, kid. What do you think Bronny's going to pull in first year? I thought I saw already that he's got our millions of dollar sponsorship deal. Like Nike will probably keep that going, right? Bronny, oh, and, Bronny in college. Here we go. According to, wow, I'm quick at Googling. According to the uh, NIL 100. Get a sponsorship for that. <laughs> yeah, what's up? Uh, according to the NIL 100 rankings, Bronny's NIL valuation is set at $7.2 million with Nike Beats and PSD underwear. I don't know that one. He's got an underwear sponsorship? He's got it all, man. Bronny. Bronny. Swimsuit edition for him, too. Anywho, uh, air conditioned helmets, I'm still down for. But I don't think you don't need that in hockey. But like, I like my gloves to be. They're always too hot. Like on the flip side, pond, air conditioned. Is it still air conditioned? Heated, heated helmets would be Heat. pretty sweet. Heat is the opposite of air conditioning. But isn't the 
HVAC at all under the same umbrella? Anyway, heated helmets would be sweet on the pond. All right. Well, maybe Bride Trail Living is going to come in and, and shake stuff up and get some some heated outdoor uh, arena stuff for the Maple Leafs, some cooler gloves for the boys. But nonetheless, search is over. Two weeks after Dubis's departure, Leafs hired Brad Trey Living as their new GM. Let's talk to Frank Saravelli on the other side of the break.